Suncast is brought to you by SunGrow, providing clean power for all. Suncast is also brought to you by Trina Solar. Hey there, Solar Warriors. I'm Nico Johnson, and this is Suncast. Each week, I pull back the veil on the life and business insights of clean tech entrepreneurs building the most noble and impactful companies of our time. I hope what you learn from this conversation is a catalyst for your own growth. So thanks for tuning in and welcome to our tribe. Hey, welcome back, Solar Warriors, to another Suncast Deep Dive. You're going to love this one. Thank you so much for lending us your ears. And of course, the only non-renewable resource you've got, that is your time. I am so grateful for the generosity that you've given. I promise to return it tenfold with the deep dive and insights that you're going to glean on how to orient your business or career in this clean energy economy. After working closely with solar installers and EPC and sales dealers over the years, today's entrepreneur, Spencer Oberon, saw firsthand how cumbersome and disjointed processes were that were preventing solar businesses from growing. Does that sound familiar? Well, Spencer and his co-founder created a business called Interflow. Some of you are probably familiar with it in an effort to connect and streamline the residential solar sales process from lead to all the way to system operation, ultimately in an effort to get more glass on the roof. Spencer's passion for solar and renewable green energy solutions in general is infectious, and I hope that comes through in today's interview. If you like this kind of conversation, and I trust you will, then I hope that you would give us a nod over on whatever podcast app you are listening on by both following or subscribing and then leaving a rating and review. If you've listened all the way to the end and you think it was worth it, give us that glowing five-star rating and review. It helps others find the show just like you have found it because they will want to, like you, tune in twice weekly to hear content just like this. Founders leading the clean energy economy, more than 500 stories like Spencer's are cataloged over at mysuncast.com. For now though, let's get ready to tune up your skills, Solar Warrior, as we tune into another powerful conversation here on Suncast. As I mentioned in the lead up, Spencer, who I've recently, I've only recently become acquainted with through our, our mutual friend, Nathan Giovanelli, hat tip to you, Nate, for making the connection. Spencer is a serial entrepreneur, I believe, and we'll get the numbers straight, uh, at least seven businesses that he's been a part of as a startup. And he's someone who who his journey through the, the solar coaster has really inspired me. And I know that it inspired many of you because you're interacting with him on a daily or weekly basis or hourly, as the case may be, through the software that his company built. We're going to dig into kind of who is the guy that couldn't help but to try and solve this problem. Before I go too far, let me first welcome Spencer Oberon to Suncast. Hey, thanks, Nico. It's a pleasure to be here. Man, it's good to see you too. I remember the times that we hung out and spent some time together in Boston and just thinking to myself, this seems to me like a guy who is uh, battle tested. And I mean that in the most kind and positive way. I'm like, you're like, well, does this, does it show up? The plastic surgery did, all, did wonders. Oh, yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> and you got your ears covered so nobody can see the cauliflower ear from the, yeah. from the years of wrestling with homeowners to get their bills from their hands. I want to dig back much further than when you first got into alarms or homes or however you, you know, first discovered this passion for helping homeowners take more control over their environment. Could you talk a bit about the environment in which you grew up back in Salem, Oregon, and sort of the type of, I don't know if it was entrepreneurial spirit, but the kind of spirit that infused the way you thought about growing up and contributing in, uh, in a career or, or into the world? Man, I'm going to go back. I might even go back. I, I think my first memories of this actually happened uh, before I moved to Oregon. I lived in Washington for two years. And I remember that I wanted to make some money. And so I actually uh, got some candy bars and started selling them door to door. I was, I was nine. And I'd take my little sister with me. And she was four. She was super cute. And I'd go and like, hey, you want to buy this candy bar? And I was like, I'm like of course, yeah, it just sells itself. And then I started you know, selling my, my lawn mowing services. And I didn't know what to charge anybody. I was just mowing lawns, I think for free, but I was going door to door and offering my services up. But at that time during my life, my parents had a book that was from Reader's Digest. I mean, I don't even know how many of your listeners on this, on this podcast even know what a Reader's Digest is. 
but it's from Reader's Digest and they compiled this book and I think it was um, Back to Basics is what it was called. And I was fascinated by this book. And this book, it, and it had this specific section about photovoltaic energy and about how to produce your own energy from water, from wind, and how to make your own windmills, how to make your own generators. And I would lay down and watch, I mean, not watch, but read these, this book over and over and over again. And I'm like, oh my gosh. And I was always like scheming and planning these things out. I'm like, all right, this is, you know, I didn't know you could get power this way. You can do all this cool stuff. And so it was, uh, it was pretty it was pretty eye-opening for me. That's like when like it started to happen. And so other kids were out like playing with GI Joes. We were super poor. I didn't have any like toys or anything like that. It was just like the stuff I could make up with my imagination. And I had this one book that I freaking loved. I mean, if you ask my mom, I, I mean, I, I like used it every day. Through that process, it got me interested in it. And then just my upbringing, I grew up in a very, in very humble circumstances. It wasn't because my, my parents didn't work hard. My dad and my mom were some of the hardest working people I know. It just didn't work out when I was younger. Yeah. Was your dad an entrepreneur? Yeah. Dad is an entrepreneur. He's got uh, 17 patents. How many? Uh, 17. 17. What was the field yeah. that he was patenting ideas? Uh, everything from tennis all the way to um, ATM bank cards and stuff. Wow. I mean, was, dad, was he a tinkerer? Was he doing patents for businesses? Or how, how, why was he? No, he just, he just has a very creative... He's one of the most brilliant people that I know. Mm. He just, he sees something and he just like, all right, how do I put this together? How do I fix this? He's, he sees stuff that's like broken or not very efficient. And he's like, how can I make this better? How can I piggyback on that? Mm. And that's just his mindset. And I think it's in his DNA because I got it. Um, and then watching him do that, um, it was really uh, influential to me. But like, you know, I just learned that it's like, if you wanted stuff like your parents, could provide a few things for you. But if you wanted other things, you had to go do it yourself. You had to go build it. You had to go sell it. You had to go do whatever. It's like, so I just grew up in that kind of mentality where you just grind and then you just go out and you get what you want. But you also, not only self-belief, but also growing up, I'll say relatively poor in the Southeast, you learn to trust your imagination and actually use it in a way that is, is unfortunately not seen as often uh, in today's culture, yeah. you know, it sounds like you were in an environment where you learned creativity and productivity very early in life. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was just a, a part of my everyday nature, like just everything that I did. I mean, mm. I was homeschooled for a couple of years on and off. And I remember I just go outside and I didn't know any kids in the neighborhood cause we moved a couple of times. And so I just go out and, and just, just create things and build things and just use my imagination. <laughs> like, that weird, that weird homeschool kid hanging out by himself. That was me for a little bit, but I think it, it also forced me to, to, you know, look at things and think about things differently. You know, Spencer, one of the things that uh, I think is prevalent around this idea of mindset creation is that growing up poor can do one of two things. It can make you uh, be very creative, productive, and dispassionate about money, or it can make you chase money. How do you feel about that? Having grown up in an environment where your father has 17 patents, but, um, you know, for whatever reason, some, somehow it didn't really yield a, a productive or rather flourishing entrepreneurial environment uh, financially for you. How did that inform the way that you think about money as a tool or an outcome? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's a couple there's a couple ways to answer that. First one was my mom didn't want me to be a sales guy or an entrepreneur because it wasn't working out for my dad. So it's not going to work out for you. So I had to be a doctor. Doctor, lawyer, dentist, that was like the way to go. Um, I don't know if I was strong enough in the maths to be an engineer, but uh, it, was, uh, it was basically those three were the options. When you grow up in a home where you know that money's really tight, and you know, I knew money was tight uh, in a bunch of different ways from you know, my parents buying me my Christmas presents and birthday presents for socks and sweaters, and we would get those from Salvation Army, you know, secondhand stores, things like that. I mean, get the occasional present once in a while, but you know, like, you just knew that money was tight. And one of the things I love about renewable energy is that, you know, with solar, like I can make a difference and I can save somebody, help save somebody, you know, 50 bucks, a hundred bucks a month. And that's meaningful uh, to the LMI market, which we're not doing enough in, in the solar industry yet. That's something I'm really, really, really passionate about. And uh, so, I mean, money is a byproduct of, of what you're passionate about. And um, your success is a byproduct of what you're passionate about. And I'm just really blessed and, and humbled and grateful that I get to do something I'm extremely passionate about. So I don't 
chase money. I, I chase um, making a difference. That's how I measure. I don't measure it with, with dollars. I appreciate that. That's really helpful. Given that your mom didn't want you to end up like your dad, so to speak, how did that influence the decisions that you made around education and your early career path? You know, I was, uh, was going to be a, a biologist. <laughs> so, I um, mean, I really got heavy into the sciences. I was a zoology major, then an integrative biology major. And, you know, I was going down this path and all my friends were going to dental school and I was like, oh, I'm going to dental school. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'll use this to go get a science degree, then to go into law, to be a patent attorney. And I just remember sitting in class one day and this, this is no joke, Nico, no joke. I was in OCHEM, this the first or second year of organic chemistry. And my teacher was ambidextrous and he was writing the equations on the board with both hands at the same time. This is not an exaggeration. And I saw him doing that. And I just like looked at my, my, one of my best friends, just looked at him, his name's Ryan. I, and I looked at this other dude and I, Ryan and I were just like struggling just to get like C minuses. And I looked at this dude over here and he just like has no idea what's going on. He just failed the last five tests and he's still like taking notes. And I just looked at my buddy, I was like, stood up and was like, peace. And he's like, it's like, what? And I was like, I'm out. And he's like, what do you mean you're out? And I was like, I'm out. And uh, he's like, oh, you're out. And I was like, yeah. And it was the middle of semester and I dropped all my science classes. I just took F's and W's in all of them. And I just walked out and I went and I saw a, a counselor. Probably should have seen a, like an emotional counselor, but I saw a school counselor that was like, hey, you know, so I was like, hey. So I started taking classes of just things I enjoyed. I took acting classes, singing classes. I took uh, history classes. I took all kinds of stuff, coaching classes for like football. I mean, I took all kinds of different classes, like if I'm going to school and I'm paying a professor a hundred bucks every time I walk into a classroom, I better freaking love what you're teaching me. And I didn't want to see any of this ambidextrous stuff going on anymore because I was like, you know what? I love science. I'm not going to be uh, in a laboratory. I'm not going to get this deep. Like, and I really realized like, realized like I'm a conservationist. Like I care about the environment, you know, and the animals and, and making sure that it's clean and usable for my kids. And that it's, you know, and we and even make it better. So um, I was like, you know what, I want to do that in a different way. And I've always been interested in energy. And shortly after that, I got into my first, one of my first energy startups, which is Freeway to Fuels. And we grew um, uh, safflower on the side of freeways with a professor from Utah State University, Dallas Hanks. And uh, we grew that and then you would harvest it and then we would turn it to biodiesel. Right. And so that was kind of like my first four. That was probably like 2007, 2008, and just kind of been in the renewable energy space ever since. That's funny. One of my early consulting gigs coming out of grad school was with a biofuels company focused on a different, a different feedstock, but biofuels nonetheless. It was called Abundant Biofuels. Never forget that. I mean, we all take very similar journeys, I think, as we're trying to figure out where do we fit in, uh, in, this, in this whole thing. So I mentioned you've been a part of seven startups given that your mom really didn't want you to be a sales guy, startup guy, like how do you settle that? And how, how was that conversation sound like with your mom? Mom, I love you, but this is the way I was made. Yeah. So I'm going to go for it. So, I mean, like, I mean, I don't know if it was much more than that. I just, I was just naturally drawn to it and I just kept doing it and I kept doing it. I tried to do the nine to five jobs and it's not like that. I don't work. I work way more than 40 hours a week. That's not, it has nothing to do with that. It's, it's just like, I didn't have the creative uh, license to create, to build. And, um, and then, you know, if I didn't agree with someone's vision, it's just like, ah, that was hard. I want my community, my neighborhood to be better. And I want to make a difference. And whether that's just with my neighbor or whether that's on a worldwide scale is yet to be seen with what we can do with Interflow. But yeah, I, I just have always had to have that. And so I was searching, you know, kept going with these startups man, I have such a great education of what not to do. That's right. So um, I learned so many things and anybody that's an entrepreneur, young entrepreneur, listen to this call, like the best thing you can do is just move forward wherever you're at and just keep going. And then learn though from the mistakes. And there were so many mistakes that I, I learned from like the last startup that I was in, it was called Skydrop. It's a um, IOT company, internet of things. And we had a device that was weather-based irrigation controller. So based upon the weather, like a nest thermostat, but stay outside of your home, but based on the weather and your soil type and plant type, it actually would change how you water. But we didn't, um, we didn't end up uh, being successful as we thought we would be because we didn't integrate well with other softwares and with other tools. 
and our competitor, uh, Rachu at the time, that's all they did was integrations. And so I took that lesson of like, we got our teeth kicked in. And, and then when we made Interflow, the very first thing that we did is like, this will be a platform where we integrate with everything. And so it's just like learning from your mistakes and making good connections and, and networking. And I, I hear the word networking, this might be a little side tangent, but I hear the word networking all the time. And they're like, oh, you got to network, you got to network. Most people, when they try to network with me, they're asking me for stuff, but they're not, they're not helping me, right? And network is like, you should approach the mindset, at least I try to, is like, what are the things that you can't do, don't know how to do, or don't want to do? And how can I help you do those for you, right? What value can I provide to you? And because if I'm interested in your success, then you're naturally, unless you're a terrible person, and I wouldn't want to work with you anyway, then, then you're naturally going to be inter interested in my success, right? And so like, that's uh, what I think really, again, if you're a young entrepreneur or old entrepreneur, whatever it is, like networking is worry more about the person across from you and like how you can help them. And then by default, they're going to help you. What's a good question to ask or that you've been asked that you feel is like one of those cornerstone networking questions that gets under, that gets to that. How can I help you without saying, how can I help you? Yeah. You know, I like to ask people, I'm like, you know, why don't you take a minute or two to catch me up to speed on what you're doing? Mm. and and what's going on and i just sit there and i listen some people will take two or three minutes and tell you what's going on and some people will talk to you for 30 minutes for talk to you for an hour especially if they have a uh, drink or two they'll talk for three or hour, three hours so um it just it just depends um but i just like to open it up and just learn about them and learn about what they do and what makes it tick and why they do what they do and, and how they're approaching it and why are they approaching it that way really, really really like what are you solving for and if it's meaningful, if it's got some meat to the bones, then you can like, mm, then it gets my wheels spinning, but you're like, oh, I'm just, I'm trying to make more money. I'm like, cool. Like, go get a sales job. Like you can make a lot of money doing sales, but like if you like, you're building a business because you, you want to solve something and I want to understand what that is. And like, you did that really good with me in the first time that we met. Um, you spent a lot of time just like learning about who I am. What makes me tick? Do I have kids? Like, we you know, like whatever. Right. And just like, and then building that relationship, because when you understand that someone either knows you or cares about you, and it doesn't have to be like they want to marry you or something, it just they got to just have an interest and a genuine interest in you. But if you feel and understand that, then it's just like, yeah, I'm going to help this guy out. Yeah, well, he needs a referral for this. Sure, I'm going to give him a referral. A lot of times when it's just surface networking, you get people like, oh, well, what's in it for me? Well, I need a cut of this or that and that. It's like, well, yeah, like. Why don't we just do good business and help each other? So anyway, but that, that's a question I like to ask. Just it's like go to for me. Why don't you take a minute or two? Just catch me up to speed on what's going on. And I'll change whatever that is. But I always lead with that. Take a minute or two to catch me up to speed. And then and then add whatever I want. And I do that with my sales, with with all kinds of stuff. Shoot, I do that with my kids. My son, I'm like, catch me up to speed on what's going on, man. Like, And then they get to decide how far they want to take that. And they're not feeling like they're getting interrogated. Mm. I need to do a better job of like actually pointing people to the resources, but we've done a few interviews uh, where, or episodes where we focus on networking, in particular, like ahead of SPI or ahead of these big conferences. Like, how do you actually start a conversation? How do you hold it, keep it? How do you know what's good and what to throw yeah. away? In particular, if anybody's looking for that, the one that, re that I remember really well was the 2018 No Before You Go ahead of, so the August-ish, September-ish of 2018 where there's some really good advice, man, along the lines of kind of what you're saying, um, kind of questions to think about and how to have conversation with folks in this public forum. But it works as well on Zoom calls. So many calls I get into where, where people are just really in it for them. They're just thinking about what's, what's their next call. They're not even thinking about this call. Yeah. And so they've got this script in their mind that they're running through that they want you to sort of adhere to. And that's something I really enjoyed about meeting you. I'll never forget knowing that you and I had created a friendship more than just like we met this dude I met at a show because you're also quite introverted, but you know, at least that's my take on it. And I remember standing at uh, a coffee shop at the airport and getting a phone call and I answered the phone and you're like, Nico, I see you standing there. And it was one of those moments <laughs> where it's like, we had just met, but you, you reached out just to say, Hey, I see you. Like, it's cool that we're here again. And we get to like, we get to talk. And I find that in our industry, when you can connect with someone like that, it does come from having, having gone beyond just what's your sales pitch and uh, what problem are you trying to solve to what direction are you heading? 
right? Because yeah. I've, I've had conversations with folks like that where I see the direction they're heading and I, and I ask them like, hey, can I ask you some clarifying questions? Because I feel like I've been on this road before, you know? And always asking for permission to give advice. That's my kids have taught me that. My kids will say, I don't want advice. I just want you to listen to me. I think it's, it's important to, and, and sometimes I do this. I'm not, I'm not immune to this at all, but I think it's important to, um, I think a lot of people, when they're so focused on what they're trying to achieve, that they forget about the person across from them and that they're a human being. Like, like that person's got kids or they have a dog or they've got, they got a mom and a dad or they've, you know, got a favorite team, you know, they're, they're going through a divorce right now, or, you know, something is happening. Right. And it's just like, and they're like, what can you give me? And, and they get so caught up in that. And it's just like, no, like it's so much bigger than that. Yet it's so much simpler than that. At the same time, it's just like, we're just, we're just all trying to do the same thing. We're all trying to be happy. And we're all trying to, at least the people I try to associate with, we're all trying to make a difference and we're, and we're hustlers and we're trying to grow. Right. And it's like, and if you, I think sometimes we forget that, that the other person there, you know, they've got problems at home or they've got problems at work or they've got other things going on. And it's just like, just take a minute, just be like, Hey man, what's up? Are you all right today? Like what's going on? But then like they have their goals and if you help them reach their goals and you'll create a friendship and a, a networking network, right? That's always going to give. And it's always going to be there for you to support you because, you know, we, we call it the solar coaster, but it's the entre- entrepreneur coaster is the same thing. It's just like, I mean, even it happens in the day, same day with me and Pat, like one day, I remember like two, two years ago, maybe three years ago. And I mean, it, you know, one, you know, in the morning, it's a funny story we tell, but we had this one contract signed in the morning. We're like, all right, we're worth 20 million bucks it's contract. And then later that afternoon, like, all right, everybody, we're, we're bankrupt, going out of business. And it's just like this crazy. Yeah. And it's just like this constant yo-yo. And it's like, yeah. Hey man, that guy or girl across from you, woman, she's just, they're just trying to crush it. They're just trying to put, get some scratch, you know, they're just trying to get after it. And, and, and most people are really good people. There's some bad actors out there, um, but most people are genuine, good people. And they're just, and sometimes when they act a certain way, it's because of that is insecurity, right? And it's just like, hey, if you can get past that and, and help them, then you'll have an advocate for life. If you've ever asked yourself, how do I know whether I need driven piles or ground screws when contemplating the foundations for your utility scale solar site? Boy, have I got a resource for you. On September 6th, we have Mike Ferrone's Tactical Tuesday on why ground screws matter. Who's Mike? He's the director of engineering from TerraSmart, and he's also known colloquially as Dr. Dirt. This guy knows a thing or three about foundations, and he's going to answer all your questions. You should go queue up the Tactical Tuesday for September 6th. Why ground screws matter with Mike Ferrone. Hey, sunshine. Clouds got you down? It doesn't have to be that way. Leading solar enterprises around the world are making the most of their investments in sunshine with Solar Anywhere, the data and intelligence service from Clean Power Research. Whether you're designing or operating solar assets, Solar Anywhere helps you reduce project risk and improve performance benchmarking. Learn more at mysuncast.com forward slash solar anywhere. Have you been curious about utility scale storage? SunGrow's revolutionary liquid-cooled solution is revolutionizing the storage landscape. Its built-in DC-to-DC coupling combined with other features like higher energy density and 3% slower battery degradation make it a robust solution that companies nationwide are choosing. You can learn more about this innovative solution by SunGrow by visiting mysuncast.com forward slash SunGrow. Spencer, I remember in our conversation, you said something that stuck with me and it had to do with a professor of yours who said something that you quote said it was transformative in your life. I'd like to hear about that. And I'd like to hear how that for you has sort of formed a guiding principle that I presume has led you startup to startup and along your journey, not chasing money, but chasing impact. Can you talk about that? Yeah. I actually like that you said chasing impact. Well, that was really the word I was looking for. So good job with that. That's one of our cultural tenets at Interflow is make a profound impact. Yeah, I had a professor uh, back in college and I was struggling with this. As I alluded to earlier, my mom was like doctor, lawyer, dentist, right? 
and because she wanted me to have stability in something that you know she she probably could have used a lot more of. And I went, I was talking to him. I was just like, I didn't know what, I, who wants, who knows what they want to do in college. And if you say, you know what, you know what you want to do in college, you're a liar. Like, I don't believe you. Um, and so we go in there all wide eyed, you know, and just like, Hey, college is great. And let's spend a lot of money on this skill that I'll maybe never use. So I'm, I, I was just like trying to figure this out and with introspection and everything. So I just went to him and I was talking to him and I think I was bugging him. So I think it was his, his like effort to like get rid of me because I was pretty, I, it's one thing I am and I have in spades is persistence. I am very persistent. And um, so he's just like, Spencer, because I was like asking those questions and he just like tried to distill it down for me, simplicity. Like, Spencer, there's always room at the top for the best. And like, I was like, huh. I was like, well, what do you mean by that? And he's like, because I was like, well, if I'm this, I'm only going to make $70,000 a year. If I'm that, I'm only going to make $50,000 a year. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, I'm worth, I'm me. I'm worth way more than that. I don't like someone defining how much I'm worth. Like, and like, I would love to have the opportunity. There's a lot of people who like that, right? But there's me, the, the, the true sales guys. Like, I don't like that. So there's always room at the top for the best. And I was like, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, he's like, well, if you're the best garbage man, you'll make a million bucks. And he's like, if you're the best uh, vet, you'll be, you'll make a million bucks. If you're the best um, lawyer, you'll make a million bucks. It's like, it doesn't matter what you do. If you're the best at it, you'll be successful. There's always room at the top for the best. And then I was like, well, how do you become the best? And I really thought about this for a long time. And, and I really distill it down to, you got to be passionate about it. And if you're passionate about it, you're naturally going to want to do it all the time. Something that you're going to think about that you're going to, when you sleep, you're going to dream about it. When you're awake, it's all you think about when you're, um, driving in a quiet car, that's what your mind goes to. Like you're passionate about it. And it's like, well, how, how do I know I'm passionate about something? And it's just like, what do you always think about? What is the thing that you would do for free? Better yet, what is the thing that you would pay someone else to let you do? Right. That's passion. Yeah. That's something that like lights me up. So I'm just like, all right, let's go. And it often can be a thing that people would look at you and scratch their head and be like, really? Yeah. Yeah. And I just, just, it's like everybody listening to this, everybody in the world, they got something. They've got something that they think about often. That's always on their mind. It's like, Hey, if you've got that, if that's been implanted in you, if that's call it mother nature, call it God, wherever it comes from. Right. If that's been put inside of you, like chase it, like sprint after it, sprint after the thing that you're, you're most excited about. I want to give you a tangible example that is a little helpful for me because I get asked this question all the time and it resonates. This is one of the things that when we did our pre-interview. I was just like, man, I love this guy. I wanted to have multiple conversations a month with him. This is amazing. Like we, we've been through the, the sim, like similar crucibles. You've done amazing things. And I'm, I'm like, I really am honored that I get the, you know, the generosity of your time to even chat about this stuff. I get it's too nice. I remember when we talked, you said that to me, you said, what is it that you would pay to do? And it's funny because I'm doing it. You know, and I think my answer was, you to, was that to you on that day. Like most people, the number one question I get asked is how do you make money? <laughs> right. Cause people are just baffled by podcasting. And what they don't realize is that I had to go like side hustle, get consulting gigs, et cetera, for three or four years. And I paid to podcast. I paid. And I have people come to me all the time and they ask for free advice, like deep industry building free advice on how to podcast and how to build their brand. And in some cases, I generously give it. And in others, I don't um, because I can tell that it's, uh, you know, um, uh, that, that it's, it's wasted time. Yeah. But I believe uh, so deeply in what you are saying. So if people ask me, well, how do you make money? And there are a few people that I'll give like what, I, what, what one might consider the real answer in monetary terms or like actual business model terms. But my real answer is I am insatiably curious, insatiably curious. Yeah. And I teach this in one of our classes for our mission-minded classes. The, the point of having conversations with people is not to get to your point. It is to have the person on the other side at some point say, tell me more, to, to mm. be invited into the conversation. Mm. Right. Yeah. And that translates to every single person who's sitting, listening to this right now, thinking, how do I get the homeowner to open the door? How do I get customer B to call me back, right? How do I get this girl to go on a date with me? How do I get this <laughs> guy to consider me as like, as worth his time, right? It, it is 
finding a way to get the person that you're engaged in a conversation with to say some version of tell me more, right? And I find yeah. to your point, it is through being insatiably curious about them and not about your own, your own needs, yeah. right? Hmm. So the professor who transformed your thinking through giving you this insight that there's always room at the top for the best. How did that translate to your understanding of how to sort of grow in the various businesses that you had? But ultimately, like I want to kind of turn the corner here and talk about your ventures into the the solar industry, realizing that it was a thing, understanding that uh, it tied to your you know decades old childlike desire to make an impact on how the environment was cared for. Can you talk a bit about the the connection in there? I think the thing that happened after that was I learned, I was taking a history class and I learned about, I forget his, his first name, but his, it's, he's, his last name is Taylor and it's, and it's Taylorism. He invented Taylorism. It was the Industrial Revolution. And during the Industrial Revolution, what he would do is he would go to these meatpacking plants and other plants. I mean, this was really early on. And he would do every single job. He would kill the cow. I mean, he'd bring the cow in. He'd clean the cow. He'd kill the cow. He'd cut the cow. And he did every single job. And because he knew everything from lead generated to PTO, right? And he knew everything from beginning to end. He was able to go in and he was like, all right, hand off the meat this way. When you club the animal, club it this way. And he created efficiency. And that like blew my mind. And then I looked into Sigma six and all these other things. And I was like, you gotta be freaking kidding me. Like you can have the same input, but have a greater output and you can do more with less. And then as again, with my upbringing, doing more with less is what I always had to figure out do what to do. So I was like, okay, like I got something here. I'm really passionate about this. And then I was always passionate about energy and how we consume it, how we produce it, how we interact with it. Like, it's crazy, like how we interact. It's kind of archaic how we do it today, and, but where we can actually take it. So I was just consumed with that idea. So I was working at Vivint at the time in their call center. This is while you were in college? No, this is after, right after college. And I, I, before that, after, so after graduated college, I was an international business consultant and I did a bunch of other things and, and yeah, it, wasn't, it wasn't as fun as I thought it would be. And so I, was, I got into acting at the time so I was doing some acting gigs, whole nother story and podcast, probably won't ever talk about it. Nothing you guys will ever watch. Anyway, so I was doing this stuff and I needed uh, some freedom to work in between gigs I was trying to get because it's like feast or famine with, with the acting world. So I got a job at Vivint in their NIS and I was selling uh, home automation on the phone, but I learned that they had their solar coming up. So as soon as they allowed me to, I like no one recruited me. I just went in and I was like, hey, because Vivint is the best sales organization in the world, like hands down. They're the best sales organization. They have the best sales culture. They have the best sales leader. They will get more out of an individual than any other group I've ever met in my life. They have an incredible culture that keeps people drinking the Kool-Aid and they will stay there and they will build and they will grind and they will outwork anybody and outproduce anybody. And so I was like, I want in, I want to learn that. And so I went in there, opened up Orange County with a couple friends. It's like Vivint's seventh office. And like, we didn't have like, so today in today's industry, you know, we have all these really fancy tools. Solo is a great tool. Aurora has got a good tool. Like everybody's got these great tools and all this stuff. We had nothing. We had a slick. I had a picture of someone else's home that was laminated. That's all we had as assets. And we'd go and we'd sell, but I wanted to learn from the best. So they, they paired me up with uh, Reno Mendenhall, who's, uh, who's phenomenal at door-to-door -door sales and, and uh, just in a bunch of other things like persistence, great human being. And. Um, he's pleasantly persistent. That's what he taught me. Um, and I take that away from him. And, and we went out and just learned all these things. But like my first like three or four months, I did 114, 115 site surveys scheduled, like homes on my own. But three of them got installed. It was, they had just at that time, they were growing so fast. It went from seven offices to like 42 offices. Everything was just crazy. I got put in Fountain Valley. It took eight months to get a permit in Fountain Valley. And I'm like, what? I was like, I was like, is everyone inept? Like, what is going on here? I couldn't make any money. And it was just wild. But I kept learning all of these things, what not to do. Um, some people go in and they learn from the person who's done it before and they just copy them. I learned because I was thrown into the deep end again and again and again and again. And I just like, you either sink or you swim, right? And so just learned a ton of things what you're not supposed to do. 
and a bunch of things you are supposed to do, right? But operational wise, like it was so just disjointed. Everything was done with text messages, group me and emails. I was like, hey guys, there's, there's gotta be a better way than this. And then I went to uh, another solar company, did my own thing after that for a little while. And then the idea just stuck with me. I went to the IoT company I was telling you about, SkyDrop, and I worked with a bunch of companies that are doing home efficiency, insulation, HVAC, windows. And I just really broadened my horizons and like looked at like the consumption and the production of electricity in the home. And then that's where Interflow was born. Uh, Interflow means energy flow. So anything that touches the production or consumption of electricity in your home, we want to own. And we want to own it so that we can help the end consumer um, really change their home into a liability, into an energy asset. What does it mean to own it though? When I say own it, it's not like ownership. Like I don't want to own your home. What I mean is I want to own it. You're like, I don't know how else to say it except for that. It's like, I want to know every little piece of that. I want to understand everything like Taylor and Taylorism, right? He went in and he understood every piece. So he was able to bring order to chaos. He was able to bring efficiency to redundancy and everything else like it, in waste, right? I want to understand how your HVAC interacts with your, your insulation and how your insulation interacts with your windows and all of those different things. And we want to create a, and own that model and say, hey, look, this is what is really happening in your home. Let's do a BPI audit. Let's do all this. Let's, let's put the solar on, like, and just really understand that. And so, um, you know, and solar is the, the first major piece of that. When we actually started Interflow, we started with HVAC and insulation for the first year. And this is a, a, this is a thing that I've learned and I've gone back to over and over again. If you're an entrepreneur, like stick to your core competency. Like what you're passionate about, your core competency. And what you're passionate about is not your core competency. Go learn it. Go get on the ground level go hustle, go grind and learn the ins and out of it. Because what happens most often time when people create a company, it's they're creating a company with an idea and they're at the macro level, but you need to get to the micro level. You need to get down here. You need to get in the nitty gritty, in the trenches, in the dirt. And then you, cause if you can make everybody's lives here better then everybody up here is going to want it. Right. And so we was like, solar was a core competency of mine. It's like, Hey, let's, let's get back into it. So we went to SPI 2019 and kind of the rest is history. Are you or Pat software engineers? Pat is. He's done software for 20 years. He is a software engineer, but more than anything, he's like a product guru. Um, Just really good at what he does. And so he was able to take some of my crazy ideas. And then it's really rad. Everybody should have a Pat, right? If you're just just an inventive guy like me, but you find someone like Pat, he's, he's also very creative, but he's able to take the craziness out of here and then make something. And then I would go and I would test it. So the beginnings of Enterflow, he would code at night from like 9 p.m. to about 1 in the morning, 12 or 1 in the morning. And then I would go out during the day by myself because he had another job. He was a CTO of another company at the time. And uh, I would go out and I'd knock doors and I would use our product that he built the night before to try to right. sell stuff. And we would test it in people's homes on wow. their front door in their living rooms. Wow. And it was it's such, a, such a litmus test. And, and we built it because I just wanted to get four or five closers myself and make a million bucks a year and just right. Call it, call you wanted to build your own little sales uh, organization, right? Yeah. And I was just like, all the tools out there stink. And so I was like, I always had this idea, let's build it this way. So we started doing it. And then friends started seeing it and they're like, oh yeah, let's, can I use that? I had a question actually, I wanted to dig into real quick is how do you said everybody should have a pat? Great. I call it chaos coordinators. Like you need a chaos coordinator in your team, but also is there something else beyond like my question macro is like, how do you find a pat for someone like you or I, who's an idea machine and an, an, an implementer or a subject matter expert that knows like what's happening on the ground. But I can, I wouldn't know where to start building a piece of software. I don't know. If I knew where to find a pat, I would have found, I would have found him 10 years ago. We just bumped into each other at all places at church. And uh, yeah. And then we just became friends. We were friends for five or six years before we ever did anything. But what was the conversation um, where you realized like, I should hire Pat to do this with me? Or I should like bring Pat along. Yeah, I think it, most of the time I feel like he's bringing me along. Mm. But um, yeah, he's 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 my we're we're both co-founders and he's phenomenal uh, at what he does. I remember one day I, we had a mutual friend and it's like, oh, you know Pat Bennett? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, oh, dude, he's incredible. I'm like, that's not that great. I mean, he's fine. I mean, he's, you know. And uh, he was like, oh yeah, I know he's got this company. So he's he's built SaaS companies. He sold two SaaS companies. It's not like, oh, I know a coder or I know an, uh, an IT guy or somebody and like, let's build something like he knows how to build it. Yeah. He knows how to run it. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, cool. I was like, I know this piece. 
that you don't know. And you know, this piece that I don't know. And we, we'd always get sushi like once or uh, maybe two to three times a month. And we just talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on in our, our entrepreneur lives. At the time I lived in Huntington beach. And so we would just, we'd go sushi on fire. Yeah. Yeah. So we'd go sushi on fire on main street and just hang out and just talk about stuff. And, and, uh, then one day I was like, Hey, can you, can you just build me somewhere I can take some pictures? I want some savings graph and this and that. And I was like, don't spend more than 10 hours on it. And four years later, here we are. But, but yeah, it's like, I, how do you find them? I mean, if you are strategically going to find somebody, I, I would look for my list of like, one of the things I appreciate about Pat, um, is I have a true partner and you can go ahead and you can hire talent, but you need a partner. Now that partner can be your wife. It can be, your partner, it can be your best friend, it can be whomever, right? But like having someone that's like, he's always got my back, I've got his back. And one of the things that we're always chasing something bigger than us, it's not about his ego, it's not about my ego, it's about this. This is what we're chasing. We're chasing, we, we're, we're going to make solar affordable for every human being on the planet. That's like a crazy audacious goal. And that's probably the Elon Musk like fanboy in me. Like Elon Musk, he's going to take people to Mars. He's legitimately going to do it. Like five or six years ago, everyone's like, oh, you're crazy. He's going to put people on Mars. Whether they come back or live, I have no idea. But they're going to get there for sure. But he's chasing something audacious. And it's, it's incredible. And it makes people passionate about what they do and focus on the right things and not on in, uh, infighting in the office and politics and all that other crap. It's just like, no, it's like not even like in regular politics. We've got conservatives and liberals at our company. We've got all kinds of people at our company. And guess what? We all friggin' love each other and we're all focused on the same thing. We're all focused on the same thing. And it's got to be so big. It's got to be so bold that, um, that you got to chase it and you got to chase it day and night. And so, and that's, and that's what, uh, that's what we do. But that's what I get from Pat. It's like, I got somebody that we're going to chase this together and he'll challenge me on things. I'll challenge him on things. But here's the cool thing that people don't know about us at Interflow is we've never made a decision where we're both not unanimous on that decision. We have had decisions that take over a year Wow. where like we've got to, we battle through it. Well, I'm talking like straight up battle. Like he like wanted we'll blue and like, you wanted salmon and he won. He was the other way around. He really loves Um, And uh, yeah, no, blue's my color. It's my jam. Anyway, so, um, but like we'll come in and sometimes I'll win him over to my line of thinking. And sometimes, some days he'll win me over to his line of thinking. But most of the time he'll bring his best. I'll bring my best. And then we make... Um, a mixture of the two, or sometimes we chuck it all out and we find something that's better because where it's always like, is what you're doing or what I'm saying going to help us get here faster. And if it doesn't, then we come up with something new and it's like, find a partner that you can do that with. Again, you can be a, a single business owner, but then you can have someone behind you. That's a mentor. Or again, I always go back to like the spouse, your spouse can be your sounding board, but you have to have somebody to do this with and that you can partner with that's got your back. And that can, when you, when you're putting everything that you can into it, and then all of a sudden you got burnt out for a little bit, or you're sick, or you throw out your back, or whatever, like the other person can step in and, and, and help you. And so I say throw out your back because I actually did that like six weeks ago for a long time, for four weeks, I was on my back. Your story of the, of the meeting in San Francisco kills me. Bro, it's just, oh, yeah, that story is wild. So for all of you that don't have any context, I flew to a meeting in San Francisco three days after I herniated two discs in my back, my L4, my L5. I was like, no, I'm going to this meeting. So I hobble on a plane and I'm like all crooked. I mean, I'm like straight up like 2022 Quasimodo, like walking in there. And they're like, what? Like, are you like their first thing is like, are you okay? I'm like, no, I'm not. But I wanted to be here. <laughs> like you guys got on the Zoom. I was like, no, here. But then I go in and I couldn't sit in my chair. So I laid on the ground underneath the conference table. And I could see everybody's feet and everybody could see my knees while I was talking. I have no idea what's going on through their heads. Like, this is the strangest meeting, the strangest dude I've ever met. But, uh, but yeah, but Pat was in the meeting too. So he did most of the talking. I was just there for, for the sidebar commentary. That's amazing. Oh my gosh. So question I have, I peppered you with a ton of questions because I really wanted to understand the platform. Uh, I still don't know that I really understand it, but one of the things I always think about as a connector is like, <laughs> Who, who do I think should buy this company? That's kind of like, you, you'll resonate with this too, right? Because that was my line of questioning. I was like, immediately I'm thinking, all right, who's a strategic? Where's this going? How could they scale it? Who's going to invest? 
And every single time I bring up like a potential strategic, like in phase, right? Where who's been throwing money left and right. You had a reason for, I'll say deflecting the idea that, that one, like an in phase versus a solar edge would, would own ultimately this technology. So I'm curious, explain it to me. Like I'm your friend at church in Huntington beach who knows nothing about the solar industry. Why Interflow is valuable to not just the solar bros, but to, uh, and I don't mean to be denigrating to the solar bros, but we've just used that category already, but to the manufacturers and to the, to the auroras of the world, right? Like where you've in a world where you've got teams using solo and Aurora and uh, open solar and lots of other tools. Why is Interflow a valuable connection in the middle? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, if you want to think about it, this is a great example. So first off, let's just establish that in the market today, all of these, you've named off a ton of wonderful products, like Solo is a great partner of ours. I mean, you, you can do, you can use Aurora on our platform, like meaning like you can take an Aurora design and, and put it into an Interflow mm-hmm. if you want, if you're paying for their API. And, and I mean, but the, the, the marketplace is fragmented. There's an app for everything. You know, that, that phrase got, oh, there's an app for that. That got phrased, what, coined like eight years ago, nine years ago, whatever. But like legitimately in solar, there's an app for everything. And if not, then they're, they're coming shortly. Um, but what the problem, though, is that, that there's no one cohesive platform. So like you have an app up front, you got your sales rabbit, but then you've got your Aurora and then you've got your Salesforce and then you've got Setmore and then you've got DocuSign and then you've got high level for your leads and then for lead nurturing and then the list goes on. The average installer that we work with probably is closer to nine to 11 different apps that they use. They don't talk to each other, right? The information doesn't go back and forth. What does that do? It increases duration, which is like a swear word in our industry. They increase duration. How do you combat it, it, duration? You hire more people. What does that do? Raises costs. What is duration for those who don't understand? The duration for those who don't understand is increasing the time for when a, a sale happens to getting glass on the roof, right? And every time you introduce a new tool into the process or new process into your, into your process, you create duration inflation, really. That's what you do, right? And so you just keep adding to it. So what we do is, is we specialize in doing tech consolidation. We just signed up a group that does 11 different software apps in, in the Northeast. After working with us, they'll have three, right? And we say, hey, there's something you're not good at, you don't know how to do, you don't wanna do anymore. Right, we'll connect those dots for you. But now you get rid of all manual entry, duplicate entry, duplicate records. Those things create bottlenecks, and they create. Um, you get people got fat fingers when they're texting, when they're typing. They enter stuff in wrong, right? And so we are the platform for the industry. Uh, I don't care if you use Aurora, if you use Solo, if you use SolarGraph, or if you use Everbright. Like I don't care. It doesn't matter. Like you pick the tool, the product that you want, and you drop it into your platform. So our pitch to people is like, you build your own platform because every company out there has their own sales culture, their own fulfillment culture, right? And sometimes the the products out of the box don't fit that. So they're always like, oh, I want to change this. I want to change that. Okay, we'll come to Interflow and just make your own. Take our Legos and snap them together and create what you want and then drop in and out the products that you want when you want them. You can use our own products. We have our own, think of like Costco. Costco's got the Kirkland brand. Walmart's got the Equate brand, right? And they put it right next to the name brand. You can use a name brand on Interflow or you can use our brand. We don't care. It actually doesn't change how we're monetized. We're product agnostic. And one of the things that we really like about that and what we're seeing in the, in the, as, you know, the, the eight ball, right? Is that the market's going to keep coalescing and condensing. It's going to be like Aurora bought Heliscope, Right. And they, you know, bought up uh, some companies. There's a lot of M&A activity happening. There's, that's going to happen, that contraction. But there's also new groups that are coming in. And they'll come in with better technology that will supplant somebody else. Mod Solar, where are they at? Like, you know, they were the, one of the first movers to market, right? But then, like, you had all these other tools. And that's just going to naturally happen because of competition and because of the energy mandates and the money there and everything else, right? And so we're like, hey, we're the platform. And as tools get better, oh, you don't like Aurora anymore, or you want to drop in SolarGraph? Go ahead. You don't like Salesforce anymore? You want to drop in Job Nimbus? Go for it. Like, we don't care. Yeah. So we're just trying to create efficiency, tailorism in your process and allow you to own your own platform. And your platform never changes. It's yours, right? I mean, obviously we own the code, but like it's yours. 
but you can drop in and out what you want whenever. So you're not beholden to somebody and be like, oh, you have to do everything in our ecosystem. So there are some groups out there that have what we call ecosystems and we consider ourselves a platform. And I think it's important to delineate the difference between the two as we view them. A platform is open. A platform you can integrate anything into. You can do whatever you want, right? An ecosystem is closed. Sunrun's got an ecosystem. SunPower has got an ecosystem. Aurora is building an ecosystem, right? Those are ecosystems. They don't specialize in integrations if, if they have any at all. What they do is just like, here's our tools. We think our tools are the best. Come and use them. And there's a bunch of groups out there that are going to thrive in that kind of environment. But for everyone else, we want to give you the ability to create what you want, how you want, and then have the control over it. And so that's what Interflow is. I want to note that Taylorism is Frederick Taylor, the father of scientific management. And uh, I, I didn't know this about you before the interview, your fidelity to or your uh, sort of love of scientific management and Taylorism, Frederick Taylor's impact on, uh, on the way you think about and see the world is, is indelible. I also hadn't thought about this idea of platform versus ecosystem. Is there a corollary in another industry? You know, I just had an interview with uh, a guy from a company called Landgate and he called it the Zillow of, uh, of renewables or the Zillow of, uh, of land mm-hmm. management. Is there a corollary for you that, that would help me wrap my head around kind of yeah. who, who does this elsewhere? You know, I mean, there's, there's two ways to look at it. We could be the Salesforce of solar. Salesforce got a lot of integrations. Um, people build on top of Salesforce. Our B2 of our platform that's, that just got launched with our first partner last month is all API driven. So you can actually build your own tech on top of it. That's a way to look at it. I think the way that I really love to look at it, though, is think of like uh, Plaid for the finance industry or Zapier. We, we connect everything. It's also like Stripe, right? Because Stripe is extremely powerful, but end customers don't touch it. Well, end customers do touch Interflow, but they touch that person's version of Interflow. That's my point. Like I use Stripe. End customers use the checkout that is Stripe is powered by Stripe, but mm-hmm. I have a different sort of checkout cart that I paid for, Thrivecart, right? Or it's integrated yep. through Stripe into paper yep. form. That's another, right? that's another good, that's, I haven't thought of it that way, but that actually works. I think the, the truest one for how I think of things is like, like a Zapier or a Trey, but like those kinds of companies and then give them their own, but just like give Zapier or Trey their own products as well. If someone doesn't want to use another product, they can use that one. But we just, we specialize in connecting, like we send, um, there's a lot of companies like sales drive. We send them a ton of business, right? Because of their level of integration with us is really good. Or solo, we send them a ton of business because their level of integration. So we're all about the integration. If you go to our site, interflow.com, you'll actually, you can go on there. That's it. L-O, no, not yeah. L-O-W. No W on the end. Um, no W people. We're, we're trying to be uh, cute and fancy. Um, hip. If you go there, you can see like we, we talk about the integrations and like, and really we push the, the companies that have the best integrations because that leads to the best experience and it leads to the most efficiency when you have the best integration. You know, there's a bunch of listeners who aren't in the residential sector at all and they're going to want to, they're going to naturally be asking, well, does this matter for me in, in utility or, or, or commercial or how can I just at least understand it? I've enjoyed this conversation with this guy. I would like to understand what he's doing. Um, so I think that that's value um, in and of itself. Another area where I find that we often will gloss over, you know, this sort of revisionist uh, history of even LinkedIn, where it's just like, it only, it's only what uh, helps to tell the story now. And, and you're not alone. I know I pick on you about that, but we don't often talk about our failures. You know, you and I have talked at length about how the past startups we worked at really told us what not, what not to do. Is there anything in particular, maybe within the life, uh, life cycle of Interflow, where you reached this moment where you needed to choose left or right and you, and maybe you chose the right. I'm curious, what was that dead end moment or that like Seth Godin, no when to stop digging moment for you? Yeah, it was June of 2019. Okay. Um, very specific. Pat and I had been grinding away. So we, um, those, none of you would know this, but for our first year of Interflow's existence, we worked out of our buddy's closet. So he and I both had a desk in there like straight up, like straight up, like founder story, like boxes everywhere, stuff he was storing. And we kind of like fit and eat in these opposite corners. And, um, we were just trying to figure out like the HVAC and the insulation. And like, we had all these like insulation, like we understood it, but like they weren't paying, they weren't willing to pay like 300 to 500 bucks a month for this custom built software. And we're like, Holy crap. Like guys, 
Like, we're going to help your business, but they didn't care. I'm like, bro, I was like, I use a whiteboard. Why do I, why do I need your software? I'm like, oh, because we can help your business grow. And then on the other flip side, uh, the HVAC guys, I mean, we had guys that were like, I don't need any of that. Like, this is how I do my contracts. Instead of signing it on an iPad or a phone, I have a mobile printer in my van. And then I take pictures on a camera. I go to my mobile printer. I print out the pictures of the, on the camera from the camera. And then on top of that, I print out the stuff. I staple them together and I go and I get my contract signed. And I'm like, I mean, that's what we were dealing with. Like they just, they, there wasn't enough pain points because they've been doing this the same way for 50 years. And so we were just there. We're like, dude, we're running out of money and we need to figure something out. And then I was like, why have I gone away from my core competency, which is solar? So we made, like, it was like, we had to choose left to right. And so we're like, let's go solar. And so we went all in and we worked the day and night to take the tools we already built for HVAC and insulation and then change them over to solar. And we, we honestly threw in all our chips on SPI 2019. I don't know how much longer we would have gone if we weren't successful. And we had that we registered late. Um, we were out in the middle of Timbuktu. Pat and I didn't sit down for three days. We had, uh, we were hoping to walk away with eight, with uh, four or five installers that were interested. We walked with over 80 um, that were interested in that from that first show. And from there, we were just like, we've got something here. And so again, we didn't, we didn't sleep for a long time for a couple of years, um, just, just grinding. Um, and then COVID hit like five months later, four months later, but we, we saw a lot of growth in COVID, but that was probably one of the biggest moments in, a, in our company history. We also had a, a, a couple other moments where we decided, Hey, like um, there was, there were some certain groups where we're like, you know what? Like, we don't want to work with those groups and we don't, we don't care how big they are. We don't care. We, we don't care um, what they can or can't do. Um, this is who we are. And we're always going to be this way. And if we in like, we'll go down swinging, but we're going to, we're going to remain true to who we are. Spencer, I always try to dig in on how people think about leadership or if there are particular authors or, or resources that have informed how you think about building your life or your career. Is there anything similar to that, that you recommend to others that has been helpful for you along your journey? Yeah. I was, this is going to sound hilarious, but I legitimately have this book right next to my chair, <laughs> but it's uh, it's essentialism. Mm. If you can see that. Yeah. Essentialism by Greg McCann. My best friend, Greg, actually, I don't know him, but I'd be stoked to meet him. He just talks about um, making your, your greatest level of contribution. Like there's good, better, and best. And Mike, everybody at my company knows that I like, I freaking preach this like crazy. And, but it's like, there's so many good things in the world that you can be doing that you can't do all of them. But if you fill up your day with good things, You'll never have the time to do the better or the best things. And it's the best things in life that you could be doing is where you'll make your highest level of contribution. And so if I want to go out and actually make a difference as much as I can, I got one life. I got one life. I mean, if you you have a different religious look at it and and you maybe you get reincarnated, whatever. But for me, I got one life. That's it. It's like I got to make the most of it. And time is a finite resource. And I like to look at time this way. You can either spend it or you can invest it. Like think of it as a currency. Like, yeah, sometimes I spend my time. I spend my time a lot of the time. When you're busy, what did you do today? I was super busy. I did so much. Really? What was it? Well, how'd you move the needle? Uh, I don't know. You just had a whole day of spending time, but you didn't invest in anything. And that's one of the things that we, we strive to do in everything that we do, like, how can I invest? And that's a, that's a question I, I open up to all of you to think about, like, how can you invest your time? And to me, it's like, was well, it's something that, that continues to produce, right? I can invest my time into my kids, right? I can invest my time into relationships. I can invest my time into my company and my software, right? Because it will perpetuate and allow other people to do other things and help them save time. Like, but I can also sit down and binge watch Netflix, Breaking Bad for the second time around. And I'll spend a lot of time. And hey, some days you're just, you're good. You're like, I'm going to swipe that credit card. I'm going to swipe that time card. And I'm just going to go and I'm going to binge watch that. And I'm going to eat some Ben and Jerry's. Like just the way it is. But it's like, if you look at it that way, that book doesn't talk about time investment or spending. That's just kind of my own thoughts on it. But like he talks about good, better, and best and how you make your highest level of contribution. And it really puts things in perspective. And Pat and I have had so many conversations where I'm like, is this the best thing that we could be doing right now? These are awesome, but is this what we should be focusing on if we could only do one thing? And if the answer is no, 
then you put it aside. No matter how painful it is, no matter how much you want to do it, if it's not hitting this, walk away. That's beautiful. Yeah, it kind of goes along with a book I recommend a lot, The One Thing, if you haven't read that. And it's a simple, yeah, it's, it's a simple thesis. What one thing could you do that by doing it would make all other things easier or unnecessary? Like what? Yeah. A genius filter. Mm. Yeah. Essentialism. I haven't read Essentialism. It's been recommended a number of times. I'm going to have to. Uh, so good, dude. Have to it's buy so it. good. It also has a, a really cool cover similar to uh, Dan Coyle's Culture Code. And I could see like those two books on, on a shelf side by it, side. It's so good. <laughs> well, um, brother, we're going to link to all the ways that folks can connect with you. Is there any ask that you might have of the Suncast audience as we wrap? I've got one more question for you. No, I have, I got no ask. Um, if there's any way that we can um, uh, help you, if you want to connect, um, I'm happy to make any introductions that, uh, that I can make and make sense. I'm always looking forward to meet people like Nico that are creative, right? Like, you know, that are like, how can you help me and how can I help you and, and create a relationship? So I'm always down to meet with like-minded people and I'll set aside time. Like I'm busy. Well, so are you. And so like, let's, you know, and so it's an investment of my time. Now I'm happy to use my own plug, happy to invest my time into you. Um, and, and, and likewise, hopefully you, you'll invest your time in me. But yeah, I have nothing to ask from the group. Um, just uh, if, if we can be of help with your solar, your residential solar company, check us out. E-N-E-R-F-L-O.com. <laughs> yeah, E-N-E-R-F-L-O.com. But yeah, if you, but on, on the flip side, like you don't need to use our software. You can just connect with us and, and, uh, and we're happy to make introductions. You're looking for a good installer, great. If you're looking for a good sales dealer, great. If you're looking for recommendations on good manufacturers or technologies to look at, great. Like we're happy to help out where we can. Yep. And he hires people that have that embody that. Nate Giovanelli is one of those guys. We both love Nate. He's doing he's is a awesome. tremendous human being who really embodies that, like that ethos of like, don't give to get. Yeah. So if you want to speak with Spencer and, uh, and can't figure out your way into his inbox, email me, I'll connect you. I'll pay it forward as well. Final question. Let's end as we always do with what we call a bold prediction. What one thing, Spencer Oberon, do you see happening in the market that maybe nobody else is tracking? What's in your entrepreneurial crystal ball? <sighs> Honestly, I really think that you're going to see a lot of the top, uh, um, what is that? What is that phrase? It's the S&P 500? What is the mm-hmm. top 500 companies? Yeah, S&P 500, yeah. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of those companies get into solar really soon. And in a way, uh, maybe they're partnering up with a manufacturer. Maybe they become the manufacturer. Uh, maybe they um, come in and disrupt financing. Um, maybe they actually start um, um, selling solar or, or create uh, joint offerings with other things. I mean, that's, uh, I, I know so many large companies that have been sitting, that have reached out to us and they've just been sitting on the sideline watching Yeah, for the last decade. As we head into a recession, there's a lot of m and if, if you think the m and has been heavy over the last two years, just wait and see what happens. Yeah, yeah. M&A is, is a big piece of it. Also, just like, um, I mean, there, there's this, there, there's so much, but there's so many big companies, which has been great for little guys like me yeah. coming in and uh, I don't have to compete with the sales forces and everybody mm-hmm. else in the world, but like, yeah. Um, they've been sitting on the sideline purposefully. Yeah. It's intentional. Yeah. And now they're, I think you will, we're getting a lot closer to the moment where they're like, okay, we've seen enough data. We've seen enough trends. We know where this is going. We've matured now we're going to get in. Yep. We've matured then, it up uh, for you. <laughs> yep. And then with that, I think uh, you might even see more regulation. Oh yeah. Um, I hope so, so. I think that's right around the corner. I hope so. And there's, there's some things that need to be regulated. <laughs> Correct. Yeah. Well, we'll keep that for, uh, for a Twitter spaces or a LinkedIn live or some other conversation that's not, doesn't have nearly as much reach. <laughs> Spencer, it's always a pleasure to spend time with you. Spencer Oberon is co-founder of a company called Enerflow, E-N-E-R-F-L-O.com. You should check it out and get and connect with him. He's a genuine human being, as you've heard here uh, through this conversation. Spencer, I look forward to next time we get to hang out. Go get sushi. Thanks, man. Wow, Solar Warrior. Well, that was a fun conversation enjoyable and insightful with Spencer Oberon, co-founder of Enerflow. As you've just heard, I hope that you took as much away from it as I did. I'd love to know what were your takeaways. I know Spencer would love it if uh, you would tag his profile in LinkedIn where, where he's almost certain not to see it, but I will, and I will be grateful. We've certainly posted 
by now a, an episode recap over on social media. I prefer LinkedIn, but our team has been posting a lot now on TikTok and Instagram. If you find us over there, that'd be cool to hit a like and maybe even share it with your community. If you're eager to keep learning, then you, my fellow follow math, can find the resources and highlights from this and every other discussion, along with social media links, the research and things that I pulled up even while I was interviewing with Spencer, like the Wikipedia page for Mr. Taylor, Frederick Taylor, the father of Taylorism and the father of scientific management, and all kinds of other esoteric stuff that I pull up uh, both prepping for and in the middle of these interviews and often linked to on our show notes page at mysuncast.com. I would encourage you to hop over there. And hey, since that means you're going to be hopping online anyway, would you please do us a huge favor and go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash suncast. It takes less than three minutes, maybe five minutes of your life. And it means the world to us because it helps others find us so that we can share the love and the insights and help others on their clean energy journey. Just like hopefully we are helping you. Thank you for giving us that one resource that you don't get back and that's your attention and time. I promise that we will take good care of it again next time. Join us every Tuesday and Thursday as we do this again with the leaders that are on the front lines transforming our economy using clean energy and and attacking the, the climate crisis. Thanks again to our sponsors who help make this possible for you to hear every week for free. You can learn more about them at mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. And that's also how you could figure out how you could partner with us if that's something that you'd be interested in. Maybe it is by becoming a sponsor or finding a way to share your message in other bespoke creative ways that we can discuss together. Head on over to mysuncast.com forward slash sponsor. Remember, you are what you listen to. Thanks again for showing up, Solar Warrior. It's half the battle.